Hey, but listen, today I want you to get out your Bibles, go to the book of Luke chapter 1. And I want to dive into this series with you. And I really do, I want to welcome you to this first uh, message of the series entitled Christmas Miracles. Um, and, and really when you look at Christmas, that's what it was. 2,000 plus years ago, at, at the very first Christmas in a little town called Nazareth, uh, the first miracle took place. Uh, there was this young girl who was filled with the Spirit of God and received an amazing gift uh, that was for the entire world. And, and, and we celebrate that. And his life uh, flowed through her. And, and, and he brought eternal hope and salvation and healing to a broken world. And we're going to look at that together over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. And I just believe with all my heart that God wants to enlarge your perspective when it comes to Christmas this season. He wants to help you experience the miraculous in your own life this Christmas season because what we're going to learn in this series is God is still very much in the business of doing miracles, performing miracles. And I think what you're going to discover is what's interesting is who he chooses to use in order to perform those miracles. You know, the, the Christmas story, as awkward as it is to talk about as a public speaker, it has a lot to do with the joy of getting pregnant. It, it, it's, it really it centers around a conversation about that. It's, it, and pregnancy really has a lot in common with Christmas. It's, it's all the what ifs. It's the, the, the what are we going to name the baby? What, you know, what will he or she look like? My goodness, I hope they don't look more like you than me because I'm ugly. You know, it's like, I hope they don't have my nose. It's what will their personality be? It's the what ifs. It's the Christmas season is full of what ifs. You know, when I think of my own life and my own family, there was three times in my life where Sarah came to me and uttered the words that I'm pregnant. Uh, the first child we lost, and then we have been privileged to have two beautiful boys since then, handsome, sorry, handsome boys since then, uh, that we've come to adore and love, and, and we love, uh, love them amazing. just they're our whole world. But those words for me as a father, and any father in the room, you can attest to this, I, they never fail to grab my attention. When my wife spoke those words to me, and hopefully I'll hear them again in a number of years uh, when my children come to me and say, hey, we're, you're about to be a grandfather, and, and I, th that'll be a great day in my life, but we're thinking way off, okay, way, way, way off, you know. I'm still in the season where I, I'm far enough long in this parenting thing where I'm really realizing that my parents were right when they told me that, uh, that God's reward for not killing your children when they're teenagers is grandchildren. Uh, can I get a testimony in the room today? I'm just, I, the further I get into this, the more I'm like, mom and dad were spot on. <laughs> they got it right when they said that. And so, but um, this is what I know in this series is we're, we're going to look at the most important pregnancy of all of human history. And that's, that's Mary's. And we're going to look and talk about how God uses uh, miracles today through us in order to bring miraculous things to the world still today. And we're going to look at how God brings life into the most barren of places. Maybe some of you are here today and you're in a barren place. You're in a place where, man, there's just no hope. It seems to be hopeless in this moment that I find myself. I just want to encourage you to take heart because God is still in the miracle-working business and he promises that he will come through for us over and over again. 
The reality, though, about this story that we're about to talk about and read through is the story for many of us, especially if we've grown up in church, it's, it's so well known. It's, it's almost too well known. In fact, we, it's become overly familiar to us. Even as a pastor, I've got to admit, every time Christmas comes around, we're like, how are we going to spin it this year? It's like, we, it's the same story we've got to talk about again. And so it's become too, too ordinary to us. But how many of y'all know there's nothing ordinary about the Christmas story? It's an extraordinary story. But it's been read so many times that we just see one miracle. We just see the miracle of Christ's birth. And listen, I'm not undermining that this morning by any, ma- any stretch of the imagination. That is the central miracle that gave us what we need, redemption and salvation. But the greater miracle, that I want to talk about with you today is that he came to birth miracles in and through us still today as we live. The miracle of the pregnancy of, uh, uh, that's similar to Christmas, yes, it's there. But, but, it's, but today, it, it's not about two people joining together. That's not the miracle. The Christmas miracle that I want to talk to you about is about God joining with his people and heaven meeting earth right here, right now in the midst of your darkest situation. You see, Christmas, it highlights the incarnation story as we talk about in church, which is the miracle of miracles. It's the surprise of all surprises when you read it. And incarnation, it simply means, it's simply defined as something that is in the spirit realm or something that is abstract becoming flesh. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He, Jesus came from heaven, from the spirit, to dwell as a human. The, the, human beca- the, the divinity became flesh, the Bible says, and dwelled amongst us. And one of my favorite things about Christmas is really the element of surprise. Anybody with me? I, I just, we love seeing the look on our children's faces when we give them gifts and the excitement of not knowing what's in the box and their eyes glisten. It's an exciting moment, whether you're an aunt or an uncle or a mom or dad, but giving that gift and seeing the surprise, and especially when they open it and they have no idea what they're getting. But we love to give good gifts to people. And just like many of us as parents do that, How much more does God love to surprise us with his good gifts? In fact, I love what Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew 7, uh, verse 11. He says, if you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I love that. Listen to me. The heart of God is nothing other than good towards you. I want to say that again. The heart of God is nothing other than good towards you. God's not mad at you. He wants to surprise you. He wants to bless you. He wants his goodness to be poured out on you in your home, in your job, in your finances, in your family, in your health. God is a God that loves you and wants to bless you. You see, God's grace is his riches being freely given to you and me. Freely. Nothing I can do to earn it, but it's freely given to each and every one of us. 
You know, God surprised humankind when he showed up and he, he shined a light in a very dark place when he sent us his son, Jesus. The world was not in a great place that first Christmas. It really wasn't. And it's a lot like our world today. It's not in what we would call a great place. When you look around and you hear the newsreels and the clips, in fact, the Old Testament actually ends in the book of Malachi, which was actually a rather sad note. Because what Malachi describes is the people of God are merely going through the motions. They're just kind of, it's become a ritual. They're just going through the motions of this thing called religion. They've lost their hunger and their desire for God. They've stopped pursuing him. And for now over 400 years, God has remained silent. Not a word. Not a voice crying out to anybody. Yes, God would speak to a few hearts who hungered for him, but the Bible tells us that he sent no prophet to the people because they were satisfied in their dead religion. Can you imagine that? And without a prophet, without godly leadership in their life, the people of God were drifting, they were strained, they were, sheep, like, they were like sheep without a shepherd, the Bible says, and they knew it, they knew that they were straying away. Their religious leaders could offer them no hope or no consolation, no comfort of any kind, yet, even then, there was a hunger for truth and guidance and most of all for deliverance. It began to build in the nation of Israel. And then in Isaiah chapter nine, the prophet more than 700 years before the birth of Christ, this is so interesting, he prophesied that the coming Messiah would bring light into this world, that, that hope was on the way. Anybody could use some hope in their life right now? That hope was on the way. Look at Isaiah 9-2. He says this. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. The nation of Israel was in this dark, deteriorating place, and Jesus flipped on the light. And, and, and when they were at their worst, when things seemed like they couldn't get any more dramatically bad than they already were, God sent heaven's best. God sent, the Father sent his one and only son, the Bible tells. He was made in flesh. He was born as a babe. The, the, the Savior of the world came in flesh and through a humble servant named Mary. And Mary's miracle is what we're going to call it and talk about for the next few weeks. Mary's miracle, it shows us this promise, this pathway that God uses for the miraculous, for those who are open and who are hungry to be used as a miracle-working platform for him. You see, I want to say this again and get this from your head into your spirit this morning, that God is still in the business of placing his son on the inside of people and impregnating them with dreams, with visions, with hopes in order to reach others that are around us. He still does that today. Mary's miracle was not conceived of human origins. It wasn't. It, was, it wasn't a miracle, a physical miracle or a, a mental of, of source. No, it was from God, the creator and the sustainer of all life. 
He came to Mary and he said, listen, I'm still in the business of performing miracles and he'll still do that for you today. Before we go any further, what I want to do is I want to read a rather lengthy piece of passage this this morning that talks about Mary's miracle. And I want to go to Luke chapter 1, and we're just going to read this together. But this is the story. This is the first miracle that, that sets the tone, the stage, for all of the rest of the story of salvation. Let's read it together. Verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the, the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor in the sight of God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Verse 39, in those days Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her and Elizabeth was filled with the the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is he who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And then in verse 46, and Mary said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the God, my God, God, my savior, because he has looked with favor on a humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Let me pray real quick and then we'll kind of bring this to a close. Father, I thank you that you're speaking already in this place. I thank you for the reading of your word, and I just pray that as we look at this just a little bit closer in our remaining moments together, that you'll speak to every one of us. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. So Mary's story there that we just read, the Mary's miracle, it shows us the pathway that God uses in doing miracles. And and here, God proved once and for all, for all time, that he loves to work through people. Stop and consider this with me for a minute. When you really look at this story, I want you to kind of take into context what transpired. Jesus existed before he came as a baby. He was already God in heaven seated next next to the Father. 
But, but God chose to work through a person, and he partnered with Mary. Why? Because Jesus, he submitted to this process, and he's going all the way from heaven to the womb to walk through life as a child, to even work as a carpenter. And God, he did that to prove that God still works through people. That's his primary way of working, is to work through you and I. He wants to partner with you. He wants to partner with us in order to, pro, to, in order to provide and to prove himself on this earth today. You see, Mary's life story, it shows us the pattern for a miracle. Let me show it to you. God speaks to us just like he spoke to Mary. He speaks to us. He does something in us. Then he, what he spoke into us begins to work through us, and then all around us are affected because of it. You see, the Mary miracle, it contains a pattern for the miraculous. It's a pattern that still works today, and the pattern is simply that miracles are intended to happen in us and through us and all around us as we partner with the goodness of a good God who is still in the business of doing miracles today. And in the remainder of our time, what I really want to do is I want to look at three things regarding the making of a miracle and just teach them to you briefly so that you can be encouraged that God is still using and wants to use you this Christmas season in order to perform miracles on his behalf. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this, that the preeminent miracle of all of history is the miracle of the incarnation. The Mary's miracle is the central miracle showing God's passion and pattern for redemption in this world. Redemption is this beautiful word that God shows us miracles taking place. He's, he's using the broken, the unseen, the forgotten, the left out, the uninvited, disqualified, and he's using them in his plan and in his purpose to do great things in this world. You know, I wrote it this way, that redemption is God reclaiming the wandering, forgiving, and the unforgivable, and using them powerfully and supernaturally. I don't know about you, but I fit into that verse. I fit into that, that equation right there. I, I, I am the unforgivable. I am the wandering. I am the one that's made a wreck of my life, but God still chooses to use me and perform his miracles. Ladies and gentlemen, that's called redemption. That right there is what redemption is. This Mary miracle started in the heart of God before the dawning of time. And here that miracle began to take shape in this young Galilean woman who was stunned in wonder and in awe of what had come to her. That Mary miracle that starts with the living God ready to work his power in his grace, in our life, it's still available to us today. And it's best to be understood by looking closely at this incredible starting point called the incarnation. Listen, make no mistake about it. The theme of Christmas absolutely is the willingness of Jesus to accept temporary housing in the womb, womb of an imperfect woman in order to bring the eternal promise and hope to the world. That's the miracle of Christmas. However, listen to me. There is no miracle of redemption. There's no miracle of redemption without the miracle of Mary. 
Without the Mary miracle, there is no redemption. Mary's miracle was only intended to be the model by which we see, ah, this is how God works. And one of the first it was one of the first types in all of history. It was right there. God saying, this is how I show up and do great and mighty things. I partner with my people. The miracle was the model that we should look to today as well. You know, listen to how the angel spoke to Mary in verse 30. He said, then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. I just submit this to you this morning, that God still speaks today, that, that he still does miracles today, that he does them through ordinary people like you and I today. God still speaks to us. Let me say this about that. You can trust his voice. You can trust that God's voice is pure and what he says leads us into paths of righteousness for his name's sake and others as well. So we're going to talk more about that next week together. But, you know, that miracle was not just for her 2,000 years ago. It was for you. It was for me. And that leads us to the second point that I want to talk about this morning. That's number two, that God loves to work in ordinary, imperfect people to do extraordinary things thanks. Let's look back at Luke 30, verse 34. It says, Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, Holy One, the, therefore the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even as she conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. You see, God has always and always will work through people to do the impossible. If you don't believe that, just look in the world around you and listen to the stories of what God is doing in this world. Some of you, I know what you're saying, though. I know some of you are sitting here this morning saying, hey, this is a great message, Pastor Josh. I hear what you're saying, but God, you see, God doesn't see me. God, I, God does not see me. He'll work through you. He'll work through the person sitting on my left or right, but there's no way that God's going to use me. He's not going to work through me. He'll work through Mary. He'll work through my pastor. He'll work through my small group leader, but God would not use me in this life because you don't know what I know. You see, Pastor Josh, you know, man, I know what I've done. I've disqualified myself. I've, I've fouled out. There's no way that God would pick me to do anything. There's no way he would use me to do a miracle. Some of you are saying, you don't understand my, my life circumstances, Pastor Josh. Can I just say that I've sat there? I've been there and, and believed those lies that the enemy has tried to speak into my mind where I believe that I've fouled out, that I've disqualified myself, that I've of no use of the Holy Spirit? Can I tell you that you're believing a lie this morning? That God still uses imperfect people to perform his work and his miracles in this life. Listen, we have to break through the walls of our own understanding at times in order to receive God's miracles. We do not understand the fullness of this thing. The Bible is very clear about that. We have to break through these walls of our own understanding and trust that we serve a God that's way bigger, way higher, way bigger purpose than we could ever imagine. 
You see, we let insecurities, we let situations, we let failures in a moment frame our life. And God never intended our life to be framed by that stuff. And then we begin to begin to believe the lie of the enemy that you've washed out. You're no good. You're of no use to the kingdom of God. And God's looking at you and saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to redeem all of that and more if you will just trust me. See, God often is limited by what we believe in ourselves, not what he believes in us. We have to let go of what we believe about ourselves and trust what the Bible and what God's word has spoken over us. He says that you are sanctified, that you are justified, not because of any of your doing. I'm off my topic right now. Not because of anything you've done, but because of everything I've already done for you and in you through the birth of my son and his death on a cross. That's why you're justified to do miracles. So let me ask you a question. What's limiting you? What's limiting you other than yourself this morning? Because God's not. God loves you with an everlasting love. Now I want to address something else in this conversation too, just real briefly, because I know that many of us come in this kind of a melting pot of religions in this room. We got everything from Catholic to Baptist to Pentecostals like me that I grew up in the Assemblies of God. So we kind of got it all in one room right here. And, and so I want to address kind of some views on some things because some people have elevated Mary almost to a godlike status, this divine status as someone who was different in every way other than, uh, the, than the rest of humanity. She wasn't a typical person. Listen, while we deeply honor who she was and what she did and the part that she played in this story, the point of this entire narrative is that God chose the most humble, ordinary girl to become a vessel through which he carried and gave birth to the Son of God. She was not perfect. She was not deity. God works through common, ordinary people to perform his way and his will. Look what Mary said in verse 38. She even attests to it right here. She says, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed. You see, some of us think that Mary had to be sinless in order to carry the sinless one. That's not true. Through, though, though she was a good woman who had a godly state of mind, she was not perfect. She was an ordinary human being just like you and me. You see, the miracle is that God chose to enter our darkness to bring light. Listen to what Mary said of herself in the next passage, verse 48, because he looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Wrote it this way this week. God wasn't looking for perfection in the person he was going to do the miraculous through. He was looking for humility. Are you willing to be humble enough in your brokenness to allow God to use you? The prerequisite for a miracle was not being in the in crowd or having wealth or notoriety or being perfect and having it all together and living a sinless life. No, the prerequisite for a miracle was willingness, which leads me to my last point, and this is it. Number three, God works through willing people. Willing, broken people. Can I just say this to you that I've learned this in my life? Never hesitate to say yes 
to the miracle that God has for your life. Never hesitate to say yes to that because you will always try to disqualify yourself from being acceptable to receive it. But God wants to do so much more through you as a broken person than he does as a prideful, I've got it all together person. Never underestimate the power of saying yes to the miracle that God's wanting to do in your life. The rest of verse 48 says it all. It says, surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. But Mary said that in full humility, realizing that the son of God was chosen to be placed in her to do a miracle work in her first and then for all of humanity for the rest of time. I think there can be no question that the most surprised person in all of history was this ordinary young girl named Mary when the angel showed up and said, hey, I'm going to use you. You see, God doesn't need a name. He doesn't need a pedigree. He doesn't need a privileged ancestry to use people. That's not what he's looking for. God's going to do what God wants to do, and he's going to find the ordinary, willing people that are broken, that are messed up, that have sinned, that have fallen short, that have made a wreck of their life and emotionally just can't seem to get it. He's going to use that person that's willing and humble And he's willing to say, listen, God, even in spite of all this, God, if you can do anything, you can use me. You can use me, God. 1 Corinthians 1.27, I bring it to a close. It says, instead, God has chosen what the foolish is foolish to the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Consider this as I kind of bring this to a close. God's miracle was brought to her to grow in her, to be delivered through her, to change the world around her. Let let me say that again. God's miracle was brought to her to be grown in her, to be delivered through her in order to change the world around her. Why did God start with Mary? God started with Mary because she had the faith to believe and the humility to receive the gift of God and be willing to be a vessel to be used by him. God is still in the business of using ordinary, broken people to perform his miracles on this earth. Make no mistake about it, that is the Christmas miracle that God chose to leave heaven and come as a, as a babe into an imperfect person that was just willing to say, God, yes, I'm imperfect. God, yes, I'm broken. God, yes, I'm a mess. But if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And so my first question to you this Christmas season is kind of a hard one. Are you willing to get over yourself? Are you willing to get past yourself? Are you willing to sit here this morning and realize that, yes, you're a mess. Yes, you don't have it figured out. Yes, you have sin in your life. Yes, you've fallen short of the mark. But haven't we all? And instead of focusing on that, are you willing to focus that God is still a God that uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in this life? Let me pray for you. Father, 
I thank you that you've been speaking in this place already. And Holy Spirit, I just I want to take pause for you. Because I humbly stand here this morning with a mic knowing just how Paul felt when he said that I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the most disqualified person in the room. But Father, you don't view me through that. You view me through the lens of grace. You view me through the lens of redemption. Not because of anything I've done other than humble myself and make myself willing to be used by you. So God, if you can use anyone, you can use me. And across this room in this place today, Father, I just pray that for the person that's sitting here feeling broken, feeling like they've cashed it all in, feeling like they've made more of a mess of their life than could ever be used, Lord, I just pray that you'll speak grace to them and lovingly pull them in and remind them that your grace is sufficient, that in our weakness, Father, you choose to use broken, humble vessels to still perform miracles in this world in order to point people to you. Father, let us be men and women that are broken, that are humble, that are willing to be used by you. Father, in fact, I would just pray right now, would you begin to breathe in a miracle right now? Some of us need that. We need a fresh miracle breathed into us right now. Holy Spirit, I release you right now. Would you breathe in to every one of us that need it, that miracle right now? Would you allow it to start to grow on the inside of us so that we can give birth to it, Jesus, so that it will influence those that are around us? Father, we give it to you. Father, would you put it in us? And Father, we'll be faithful to just walk obediently with you through the process. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.